that we've just been able to share and it feels uh, much more right and in truth and love and respect and whether it's with our neighbor who recently had uh, throat cancer, uh, he's been healed, so we prayed for him and prayed at home group for him and shared uh, the good news with him. And yeah, it's been amazing. Um, it's been about three or four months since, four or five months, since he had a lump on his neck and then went through that whole period. And so he's come over and you know offered to help us when Kim gets surgery on her knee. He's uh, mentioned the thanks for the prayers and so we've just been kind of blown away with that experience. And Kim's been uh, forthright in sharing her faith with her friends back in Manitoba, uh, some of them going through uh, really tough times, cancer, etc. So it's uh, things that we need to learn is how to minister, share with our family, some of our friends, many of them who grew up uh, in churches, maybe have gone away or... Um, never truly learned the you know who who Jesus was and and what he offers and um so yeah god continued to pursue us so um yeah through uh you know um playing hooky for a few years over the last decade where uh we never want to run away again and it's a really progressive learning uh kind of pattern that we're on we just love this church we love you guys uh, we just are overwhelmed with the realness and the, the sincerity and um, the teaching and how people um, just care for you, um, uh, you know, uh, share, pray, uh, bless. And it's all just done in such a, it's just so real. <laughs> so we want to just reflect that and what we've learned to friends and family. And at times it's tough, you know, the old hometown stumble and uh, what some people know as your past struggles um, to be able to share the gospel through that or um, having people rejected outright right away whether it's some sort of their own wisdom or yeah so that's what you're on to now dude oh yeah cool yeah good luck with that or whatever uh, we just pray that God gives us you know uh, more opportunities to share, I shared with my sister yesterday at my aunt's memorial, and it felt like it just came out of a real true place, and um, just as far as what we're learning and how we're growing uh, within this body, and yeah, it felt good, it felt good not to trip and stumble, and that's going to happen, um, but um, yeah, so we're just an appendage of, of this family, and yeah, we thank you guys so much, we just... We're, we're, our cup runneth over, and we thank you, and you guys have blessed us so much. So we hope we can do that to others, newcomers, our family, our friends. So just want to th- say thank you. Thank you so much. That was awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Wonderful. Thank you, Scott. What an encouragement. What an encouragement. And, and he's right. You know, when, when I, I want you to tell your stories of... of uh, of these kind of occurrences, not only the successes, but the failures. Because you learn, you, you learn more from the failures and debrief and, and you know, uh, and it's important to encourage each other. So come on up, Dawson. Let me pray for you. Let me just pray for you and get you going here. Jesus, we thank you for Dawson. He's such a gift to us. Lord, I think of Paul when he said, God, who comforts the the downcast, 
the God who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Timothy. And Lord, you've comforted us and encouraged us through Dawson already so much. Thank you for the encouragement his life is to me and to so many people. So Lord, just uh, speak through him. May he be encouraged, Lord, by, by what you bring through him today. And, and as we open our hearts, Lord, to the gift that you've, you've placed within him. In Jesus' name, amen. You can use that. Well, my goal today is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. Um, Let's check the PowerPoint. Um, And, uh, okay, that should be fine. I was given the title, Anatomy of Conversion. Are are we recording already? Okay, just got to double check. Um, I was given the title, Anatomy of Conversion, and I looked into it, and I still didn't understand it. Um, So I took the material that I thought was wonderful and condensed it and added my own, so now you're getting something even better, and I call it Why You Hate Evangelism. Um, I don't know why you hate evangelism so much, but you do. If there's one thing I know, there's nothing wrong with me. There's something wrong with you. I know. There's one thing I know. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. I have a video clip uh, that I pulled off of YouTube, and I edited it a little bit, and yeah, you can do that. Yes, I can. I don't know if you can, but I can do that. So I pulled it off YouTube, and uh, we'll see if it rolls here. Yeah, it doesn't work on the PowerPoint, so I actually have the file. We'll just bring it up. This is a guy from, uh, well, he's outside of a Harry Potter movie, and uh, this is one of the reasons why we hate evangelism. So if you can bring it up there. Maximize it. Maximize it. But just know that this Maximize is the book you should be reading. This is the book you should read. I'm talking to Jesus right now. And he tells, he's telling me that you need to go home to your Netflix accounts and you need to watch VeggieTales. You need to sit down and you need to open up any episode of VeggieTales. This is one of my favorite passages. But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman. No, no, this is the other half. This is the other half, my friend. You have stuff on your head. Jesus has stuff in his heart. Pay no attention to the word of mouth. Pay no attention to the Rotten Tomatoes aggregate score. The sword and hat came to me. He plopped his little booty onto my head, and he sorted me into the house of God is what he did. He sorted me into the house of God. Just smell it. It Smells a good smell. Harry Potter don't have no heart. In book four and five, he was a mean man. Jesus, never mean. Think about it. Stop giving in to fiction. Start giving in to faith. Did you know that three quarters of the film critics who gave this film good reviews are sexual deviants? They look like pagans. I'm not here to talk. I'm just here to yell. All I want to do is yell my beliefs at you. Harry Potter don't have no heart. <laughs> uh, is my mic on? Yeah, it's on. He's a comedian. Uh, it, you can go, I'll put it on uh, something, uh, on the computer web. You can we'll go and watch it sometime. But uh, if we get my PowerPoint back on, then we'll go to the next slide. He's a comedian, yeah. For clarification, he's a comedian. He is not actually a real evangelist. 
<laughs> Jesus is telling me right now, you got to go home and watch any episode of VeggieTales. You know? <laughs> that's, that's not right. So we're going to continue on in this sermon with why you hate evangelism with uh, the potential convert. Now, this is where I'm pulling from the anatomy of conversion. This is the closest thing we can get to anatomy. So this is, this is the potential convert. So when, you, when we go outside onto Commercial Drive and Street Witness after the service, right after the service, so be prepared. I'm just, I'm just kidding. After this slide is when we're going out. So <laughs> buckle up. Um, so when you go out on a Commercial Drive and we're talking to somebody, we see this person as a potential convert. This is how not to do evangelism. This is why you hate evangelism. You go, oh, look, this is what we see. There is a strange-looking person. You are very free with your body. You have four arms. You have four legs. You have great hair. But besides that, I don't know anything about you. I don't want to know anything about you. I am going to tell you everything that you need to know about Jesus right now in 30 seconds. I don't want to talk. I just want to yell my beliefs at you right now. That kind of thing. So this is our, our convert that we go out. We want to convert him. And if we successfully convert him, then we get this. Um, no, we get nothing because the batteries are probably dead. No, we get this. Okay, thank you. Thank you. You finally learned some shame, you know. Cover yourself up and go do justice. This is our goal as evangelists is to, you know, there's something right about this side of the church and wrong about this end of the church. You guys, can, you, can everyone see the PowerPoint over here? Anyways. Jesus is my homeboy is the hat. And so for those in audio land, Jesus is my homeboy hat. This is the Vitruvian man by Leonardo da Vinci. And he has the Bible. He has a do justice t-shirt. And he has a little, yeah, see, this is what we want. This is our goal. We want to have people that are, are like the Pallisters. With, <laughs> there's only, you know, the do justice t-shirt. I don't know about the fig leaf, but okay. So this is, this is why we hate evangelism. But let's look at the Bible. Maybe the Bible has something to say about evangelism that we should pay attention to. This is Acts 1.8. It's one of the most important verses on evangelism and on mission that you're going to find in the Bible. Uh, it lays out a blueprint of the book of Acts. It lays out a blueprint of the history of the church. It lays out a blueprint and a mission statement for what we are to do and who we are to be here and everywhere. I'm going to read how it's written. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, we hear a verse like that. That's how it's written. But if we have an allergy to evangelism, which most of us do, I think, this is what we see. This is how it's read. But you will receive power when you... Oh, just stop being an idiot and go do it. I just got to do evangelism. That's what they're telling me to do. We have a series on evangelism in the church, and I just got to go do it. So you're hearing it wrong. That's how it's read. There's another way that it's read. I'll go through three points. This is another way how it's read. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will go out and alienate friends and aggravate strangers by arguing about gay marriage. <laughs> this is what you're expecting. This is what you're hoping for. I'm going to go do this thing, and... I know I'm going to alienate people. I know they're not going to like what I have to say. And I know I'm going to get drawn into debates that are totally off point. This is not so much how it's read, but how it's done. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes in you, and you will be my witnesses in church. 
We can read that area a little bit better, but that's sort of how it's done, a misdoing of the Scripture. But we'll go back to how it's read. And I'm going to read it one more time because I want you to remember this. You can forget my words, but you want to remember the Scriptures. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, what we're going to do in this sermon is we're going to do three parts. So the first part is going to be the first part of the verse. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The second part is you will be my witnesses. The third part is Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So three-point sermon. It's almost like I took a course on this, which I haven't. Okay. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Um, What comes to mind with that phrase? You you can yell it out, whatever you want. What comes to mind with that? Prayer. Someone said prayer. Pentecost. That's what... That's what I'm looking for. That's what, that's what comes to my mind. I'm like, Holy Spirit, power! You say power! And you touch, and they fall, and there's like lightning bolts and explosions! Kaboom! God is going to save you with his power! You know, because you can't say power. You know, the Holy Spirit's gentle power. No, it's power! Feel it! So that's the perception. Kaboom! Let's yell about something. So that's why we feel a little bit frustrated, I think, when we read the verse. It's our perception. The Holy Spirit will give me power. Oh, great. I'm going to have to go out on the street and power, power. <laughs> Strangers falling down. You're knocking them over. That's, that's awesome. Let's do that after the service. Just kidding. Here's the reality. Some of the reality, anyways. Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Our perceptions of power and God's perceptions of power or God's reality of power, he doesn't have perceptions, but what power is in the world of God is not the same as what it is in the world of our mind, in the world of our thinking. Uh, There are times, you know, in the Old Testament, people go out, they have all the power of the kingdom behind them. They go and they fight a battle, lots of power. They fail. They pray. They have the same amount of power or a lot less, like Gideon, for example, or they have no real power, and God wins the battle for them, and there's victory. So it's not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. So we need to understand what the Spirit of the Lord is all about. The closer relationship you have with the Holy Spirit, the better evangelist you're going to be. The better worship leader you're going to be, the better person you're going to be. It's not about our own strength and our own strategies. It's about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. 1 Kings 19, 11 and 12, this is another example. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper, or in the King James, yea, for the King James, a still, small voice. God speaks quietly, often. He speaks quietly, often. He speaks gently, often. So, but not always. There are many times when God speaks with a kaboom voice, like in 1 Kings 18, when he sends fire on Elijah's offering. But we need to remember that for every 1 Kings 18, there's a 1 Kings 19. 
It's not time to put God into a little, this is who you are box. Um, I know you in this experience, so this is who you are. Or I know you as a vineyard guy, this is who you are. Or I know you, in, you know, I know you is not who God is. God is who he is, and he's not put into a box. So let's not put him into a box. Um, the next passage is a key point for evangelism, I think. Alakazam. Hmm. Yeah, thank you. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, very common verse, often quoted. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you are asking, if you go out on the street, or I'm using the street evangelism analogy because that's mostly why you hate evangelism, I think. So stick with that. When you go out on the street and you go and you evangelize and you talk to somebody, you can ask yourself the question, is the Holy Spirit with me? And if you can say that there is love in the exchange, there's joy, there's peace, etc., all in the experience, if you go, yeah, that's, that's in my heart, I'm not anxious and depressed and angry, and <laughs> then you're in, probably in the Holy Spirit. You're probably doing the work of the Holy Spirit. So it's a good litmus test for your evangelism, or for your preaching, for that matter, or worship leading, or anything. Am I walking in the Holy Spirit? Well, is there the fruit of the Spirit? Do you feel the fruit of the Spirit? Do you see evidence of it? And if the answer is yes, you're, uh, you're in a good spot. Okay, no. You will be my witnesses. This is the second part of the verse. This is the heart of the sermon here. This is the most important thing. If you walk away with nothing, I'll pray for you. But if you walk away with nothing and you remember one thing, remember this, be my witnesses. Evangelism is about identity, not about activity. This is a huge, huge deal. For me, in my experience, this has been what has liberated me, not just in evangelism, but in everything. Be yourself. You know? <laughs> who, and who am I? The question that you need to answer. Who am I? And I'll give you a quick answer to that. What's your identity? Who, you, who are you? If you are in Christ, you are his image. You are his image as a person, but you're redeemed as the image of Christ, the image of God. You're redeemed. You're a child of God. And who you are is holy. Who you are is sanctified. Who you are is set apart. Jesus came to save us, right? He didn't, <laughs> he didn't come to save people who aren't us. He came to save us. So we're okay. It's okay to be us. Um, so let's put on another uh, PowerPoint here, bullet point. As followers of Jesus, we are his witnesses in every location and on every occasion. There is no time when we can take off the hat of being a witness of Jesus. Are you following me? that you are a witness of Jesus. You are like an ambassador. Ambassadors can't take off their hats. It's not something you can put on and take off like a garment. Let me give you an example here. Say that you're uh, from two different countries. Name, name a country, not Canada. Sorry? Ethiopia. And, did someone say Monrovia? Let's name another country. <laughs> Mexico. Okay, let's say you're an ambassador from Mexico to, oh, I forgot what you said, Dan. Ethiopia. Ethiopia. Okay, you're an ambassador from Mexico to Ethiopia. You go to Ethiopia as the Mexican ambassador. Everything that you do and everything that you say is representing your country. 
You can't take it off. There's no time when you can be like, oh, I'm not really representing Mexico now. I'm just going to... No, because your whole job is to represent Mexico. Your whole job as a Christian is to represent Christ. Yay for Mexico. I can see, <laughs> I can see a big smile back there. Um, so, woo, Mexico. And I'll come to this later, but let's say that you go as a Mexican ambassador to Ethiopia and you don't say anything and you hide in your hotel room the whole time. Hmm. It's quiet out there. What happens then? You know, the verse where Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. It makes a lot more sense when you look at it that way. What, what are the Mexicans going to do to you? You come back, <laughs> so you were ashamed of us? You were ashamed of our country before men? We're ashamed of you. You're a terrible ambassador. All right. <laughs> so this also means that there is no time when we can put on the hat of being a witness of Jesus. Since this is true all the time, and we go out on the street, we go out to our friend's house, we go out and do whatever, we don't have to go, okay, now it's time to get in that headspace where I am going to be an evangelist or an ambassador or something, because you already are that person. Relax. Be that person. Be yourself in Christ. So activity. This, I've done a lot of evangelism. I've gone on the street, and it's fun <laughs> if you do it right. It's not fun if you do it wrong. Um, so I'm going to run through a few scenarios of what activity-based evangelism means to people. And this is how I've seen it done wrong a lot. Let's use an example of a group of people going out in the street to evangelize one Saturday night. What happens with an activity-based view of evangelism? No. An identity crisis happens. There is a perceptible change in the demeanor of the evangelists going from relaxed and casual to focused and fervent. The pre-evangelism Christians are acting like they normally act, and the evangelism Christians are acting like different people who they think they're supposed to be. So I'm going to go through all three of these and then give you some examples. Coercion happens. So an identity crisis, coercion. Coercion happens. This takes place because this approach to evangelism leaves little room for the Holy Spirit to work. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc. are thrust out of the heart by anxiety and the need to perform. When you're not being yourself, God can't move through you because you're not being you. There's nothing wrong with God. It's the way we're walking. Last point. No. Yes. Distraction happens. People are easily sidetracked since they are literally not being themselves. Every little thing throws them off, and arguments take place over non-essential issues. What about the dinosaurs? Oh my goodness, I'm going to waste 30 minutes talking about the dinosaurs. Don't you think gay people have rights? Oh, I'm going to waste 45 minutes talking about gay marriage. People don't even believe in evolution. What's wrong with you? Why should I believe anything else that you say? Oh, great, now science. The gospel is not about the dinosaurs. And it's not about gay marriage, and it's not about evolution. It's about Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the dead. So when you go and do evangelism or have a discussion with a person, if you waste all your time talking about dinosaurs, you're doing something wrong. And it's happened a thousand times. But usually, this happens when you're not being yourself, because you don't know how to handle it. You don't know how to handle a natural objection. Someone says, hey, 
What about the dinosaurs? Maybe they're giving you a hard time. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're really being honest. Who knows? But you can't handle it. So I'll give you an example here. I'll give you a good example here, because this is heavy for me. <laughs> okay, here's a, here's a good example. From my hometown, uh, Kelowna, we would go out on Friday nights and sometimes talk to people about Jesus. And we would be very upfront. We'd say, hello, how are you? We're talking to people about Jesus. Do you want to talk about Jesus? Do you want prayer or whatever? And they would usually say, no, thank you. You know, and often, okay, that's, that's fine. Oh, I'm dealing with the rejection right now. I don't know how to handle it. You go on to the next person. Hey, would you like to talk about Jesus? How are you? Sure, I, I'm not doing anything. I'll talk with you about Jesus. Great. This one guy I talked to, I mean, I was doing my best as an activity-based evangelist. You know, I'm trying to be a different person. I'm trying to coerce him, manipulate the conversation so I can tell him, you know, oh, that relates to Jesus. This relates to Jesus. I'm going to stay on point. <laughs> but he talked to me for like two hours about how his life had progressed. He used to own a construction company. He used to be very wealthy. And then he got on the streets and he talked to me for two hours. And I'm doing my best to shut him up, and it's not working. Thank God. And I see him a couple weeks later. By the way, his name is Jim Jones. If you've ever heard of Jim Jones, it's a different Jim Jones. It's not, not the guy who, well, because he's dead, so it's not that Jim Jones. But um, I see him a couple weeks later, and I got to say one, one thing to this guy. And I'm driving in my car, and I look out the window, and I say, Hey, hey, Jim! How's it going, Jim Jones? And he's like, hey, good to see you, man. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> That's what he remembered, you know. That's what this evangelist came and said, was don't drink the Kool-Aid. You're allowed to have a sense of humor, too, by the way, with, when, you're, when you're talking to people. It's kind of a good idea. Um, more, more examples to come. Now, why this is stupid? Why this doesn't work? Let's not mince words. This is really stupid. It's not the will of God for your life to go out and alienate friends and aggravate people and push your beliefs on them and try and coerce them. So the title is apt, I think. Why you hate evangelism. Or maybe it could be why you should hate evangelism. <laughs> because this, I hate this stuff. It doesn't work. It's not the Holy Spirit. That, what happened to the PowerPoint? I did not flip forward. Something is going on here. This is stupid. <laughs> Okay, number one, it is a corruption of our human identity. Jesus Christ never forces people to be who they are not. He frees them from false identities, that is deception, and transforms them from the inside out to be who they truly are. This is about the sanctification of the Spirit. Sometimes maybe we get a bad idea about this. We're being sanctified to become someone we're not. Actually, we're being sanctified to be more truly who we're created to be. Do you follow me on that? You know, the more honest you are with yourself, the more honest you are with God, with others, the more real you are with your sin, the more real you are with your, with your faith, the more real you are in general, that's a good sign that your sanctification is progressing. The more you walk in false identities and false beliefs and false ideas about who you've got to be, that's a bad idea. Don't do that. Okay. It commits the cardinal sin of the 21st century, being inauthentic. Number one, people can smell a liar. They can tell when you're being a big hypocrite and coming up to them, and, and they're, they're just wondering, what, what did he do on Friday night? You know, because this is Saturday night. He's coming and doing his evangelism thing. 
I can tell that there's something with this guy. What did he do Friday night? Who knows? It's a very skeptical generation. Maybe rightly so. Very postmodern of us, you know. But number two, being inauthentic is no fun. Why would you want to go out and pretend to be someone you're not? Why would you want to be with your friends or your family, pretend to be someone you're not? Doesn't seem very appealing to me. It doesn't work. <laughs> you're not going to win the kingdom of God this way. That's very simple. Okay. Next point is, and if it does work, quotation marks, it creates a number of questions to be raised post-conversion. The new convert will wonder, how should I follow Christ? Like the person who led me to Christ? Like that alter ego that came to me in the park? Should I follow Christ that way? Is that what Christianity is about? The new convert may imitate the false persona of the evangelist, thinking that he is doing what he is supposed to do as a Christian. People don't know the Bible when they come to Christ. They want to figure out, what should I do? And you're the door. You're the one they're going to imitate. I, I was sharing the gospel with a guy. I had a sticker on my Bible of Canada. And I put, you know, Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. So there's a reason for this Canada sticker on my Bible. I'm sharing the gospel with a guy. He converts to Christ. He comes to my church on and off but mostly off. He came once or twice and got scared to death and ran out the doors, so that's, that's more honest. Um, but I go and I, I meet him at his house. I'm talking with him about Jesus. He has a Bible, tells me that he's reading the book of Job, and he has a sticker on his Bible too, but it says Adidas. <laughs> he's like, I know you have that Canada sticker on your Bible, and it's got to mean something, so I, I put this sticker on my Bible. I'm like, you're an easily led individual, aren't you? <laughs> You know, great guy. I don't know where he's at today, but yeah. So you're the doorway. You're, you're the presentation of Christianity to people who know nothing about it. You, I mean, if you go out and talk to people who are not Christians or not affiliated with Christianity, you'd be surprised at what they think about Christianity. They get a steady stream of The Daily Show, and so do I, and I like The Daily Show, <laughs> but they get a steady stream of those images of Christianity. A crazy Republican saying crazy things this is, this is Canada. We don't even have Republicans, <laughs> but this is the view they have. So your ambassadorship is very, very important. Can you go to the next slide for me, please? My PowerPoint is not working. So why this is stupid continued. You thought that was it. There's more reasons why this is stupid. That's not st it's not a smart thing. After conversion, how will the new convert relate to the evangelist? I talked before about how they're going to imitate their walk with God. How are they going to relate to you? The transition from the evangelist encounter to brothers in the Lord will be very awkward. The evangelist might even feel guilt for how he treated the new convert during their first encounter. This has happened, okay? People share the gospel, dun da da and they brain, uh, browbeat a person into accepting their point of view. Then for some reason, maybe they're easily led, or there's that God-shaped vacuum. They, they don't know what they're searching for. They come to the church. All of a sudden, you're sitting beside each other. Hi. <laughs> how, how are you? I'm good. Yeah. Don't hurt me this time. You know, don't violate my soul with your, you know. How are you going to relate to each other? Word of advice, love people. Love people in the church. Love people outside the church. You're not going to have to change your hat too often. If you go, hey, I'm loving to you now. I'm loving to you here. Just love people. That's a good word of advice. All right. Um, 
Boy, this PowerPoint's really ticking me off. This, we need to, we need to, we need a fruit? I don't know what that means. It's not loving. Say, this, this goes with my point about love. It's not loving. Trying to force people to believe something or pray a prayer or think a certain way is coercive, and coercion is not cool. Just not cool. And if you want to be cool like me, don't be coercive. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, not just like me. I mean, I'm up here. You've got to be, you know, somewhat like me. So, oh! Oh! It's like, he's serious, I can tell. Okay, here's an example of coercion. Here's an example of coercion. Uh, my, my old church, long time ago, drive, uh, we drive from uh, Kelowna up to Prince George for a conference. And we're in the car with this guy, he's got to be 50, 55, and the rest of us are like 18 years old. And we stop at a gas station, and this guy starts up a conversation with someone, some total stranger, it's a different town. And he realizes this is a moment for evangelism, and his demeanor changed. He, all of a sudden, he's like, oh, nice to see you. Oh, brother, let me... <laughs> he's coaxing him in, he's patting him on the back, and I don't know where he learned this, maybe, you know, from a church that he was at a long time ago, but, oh, brother, you know, I'm going to lead you in the prayer, and uh, the guy is totally uncomfortable that he's talking to, surprisingly. <laughs> and... We get in the car, and my friend, who's 50-55, he is just so fired up about that evangelism encounter that he led a soul to the Lord. And I'm like, you did not lead a soul to the Lord. You were using coercion to try and get him to say things that he didn't want to say. So that's an example of coercion. It's not loving. Oh, PowerPoint. Are you clicking it too, or is it just this thing? My goodness. Well... We should buy some batteries. <laughs> we, we, we should put in some batteries, definitely. I would, lo I would love some batteries. Okay, I'm going to have to preach on this point for a long time while we get new batteries. Act, acting like this violates the spirit of evangelism by presenting a false image of Jesus. A good ambassador will accurately represent her country. By acting like sweaty-palmed, anxiety-drenched lunatics... We convey a false image of God's kingdom, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Again, the example of the Mexican ambassador going to Ethiopia. Just be the ambassador. <laughs> don't, don't, you know, ride a donkey and say, here we are, Mexico. You know, you can just be yourself as the ambassador of Mexico. You don't have to put it on. Although, if anyone wants to ride a donkey into church, you are more than welcome. <laughs> um, and it's no fun at all. So, Susan, if you could manually move up the next slide. I want to read a passage here. You see ambassadors uh, highlighted in blue. And I've mentioned that several times. I'm trying to repeat, repeat, repeat so you can remember what it's all about. Acts 1.8 and ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5.16-21. to so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, ours included. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin, or who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen? Now, the reconciliation is what we're, we're aiming at. Not become aware of your sins, become aware of the disagreements that we're going to have. It's God sent Christ to the earth. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. That's the good news. Our sins are forgiven. We can be reconciled to God. We had a whole sermon on it last week. If you don't remember it, it's online. It's there. <laughs> and I just sort of summarized it for you. The gospel is Jesus died, rose again. He taught us how to live. We can have our sins forgiven. We can know God. Reconciliation has taken place. All the work has been done. So thank God for that. Ambassadors never take off their hats. Ambassadors never take off their hats. Remember that. Repetition. <laughs> It's beneficial to repeat things. Paul said that somewhere. Okay. Identity. Take the same scenario of a group of people going out on a Saturday night to do evangelism. And you could put that in quotation marks anyways. Using the same scenario is important because identity-based evangelism is not just sitting around drinking beer. <clears throat> you might have thought, after hearing me slag off on all of this bad evangelism stuff, that you go, oh, I'm doing a good job because I don't do anything. <laughs> if I'm not going to be able to do something excellently, I don't want to do it. So, no, no, you're misunderstanding. You already are doing it. You are an ambassador. So how are you doing it? How are you being yourself? Are you being who you are in Christ? It's not just isolating yourselves like we're doing right now, which is okay for a while, but being yourself somewhere else, out there. Where are you? You know, that's a good question to ask. Where are you? Right now you're in a church. Where are you? Geographically, we'll get to that in a minute, but you're in Vancouver. You're in a, a non-Christian city. This is not exactly, um, what's a Christian city? I don't know. This, Colorado Springs. Okay, Rick said Colorado Springs. I've never been there. This is not exactly Colorado Springs, folks. Don't, don't, don't you know? This is what happens when you go and do this for reals. Authenticity happens. People stay the same people they were 10 minutes before. They laugh and they talk openly about their lives. In our hometown, again, Kelowna, I went out to the park and I talked to these two young people, a guy and a girl, and I just said, hey, Jesus, you know, open the door right away. Don't try and, you know, trick them. I'm talking with people about the weather. No, you're not. You're talking about Jesus. You know, I'm, are you concerned about global warming? No. Talk about Jesus. Just say, I'm talking about Jesus. So I went up and I said, I'm talking about Jesus. Do you want to talk about Jesus? And they said, um, I don't know. Uh, like they probably, I think they were stoned. I can't really remember, but they were out of it. And I'm, I talked to them for a while and I shared my life and here's, here's where I'm at. And have a nice night. I learned their names. They learned my name. It wasn't just faceless, emotional brutality towards somebody. People, interacting with people. So I, I came back a few weeks later again, like the guy with the Kool-Aid, or Jim Jones. They, uh, 
They said, hey, it's Dawson. Hey, how are you doing? They they must not have been that stoned because they remembered my name. And they were happy to see me. So I must have been doing something right, you know? If you do it enough and you realize, okay, this this activity kind of force stuff doesn't work and you get into doing it fun, it's actually good. It's, it's good stuff. Relaxation happens. No pressure. People are able to take no for an answer as well as, as well as yes. Again, you go up to somebody, you say, Jesus, etc. They say, no thanks. You say, have a nice day. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Have a nice day. That's not a failure. <laughs> That's called being respectful. Conversation happens. People might actually want to talk to you <laughs> for a change. <laughs> People can tell when they're getting sidetracked or forced into an argument and are able to avoid it or deal with it. People remember that the world is lost, not just wrong. <laughs> it's not about the world being wrong. So you're not going out there to win an argument. You're going out there to win a soul, or to win a person. Not a soul in some, you know, I, I got ten souls saved kind of way, but... We are souls, we are living souls, to win a person, a whole person, to Jesus. And you might have to follow them down some rabbit trails or whatever. You might have to talk about the dinosaurs for five minutes. Who knows? But it's about winning, winning a person. And when you're walking in your own identity, let, let me put it this way. If someone comes to you, or sorry, you go to somebody and they say to you, what about the dinosaurs? I keep bringing up the dinosaurs. And you... You're just like, okay. <laughs> Activity-based guy is going to go, dinosaurs, God made dinosaurs, God made dinosaurs, God made dinosaurs. <laughs> He's not going to know what to do. Identity-based guy is going to say, he's just going to be real, you know. Dude, I came out here to talk about Jesus. I'm not here to talk about the dinosaurs. If you really have an objection to my religion based upon the dinosaurs, we can talk about that. I have seven years post-secondary education. I've looked into the dinosaurs thing. If you want to talk about the dinosaurs, we can talk about the dinosaurs. But you know that I'm not coming out here to do that. I'm here to tell you about Jesus Christ because I think it's important. And obviously, if I'm coming out here and doing it, I think it's important enough that I can break through my little comfort zone and talk to a stranger. What are you doing with your life? I mean, (laughs) it's okay. If you're being a real person, you can share what you're really feeling, and they're going to respect that. It's called being real. It's called being authentic. You're looking at me right now, and you're going, yeah, he's being real. He's being authentic. You respect it. <laughs> you can tell I'm not just preaching something here. Oh, now, Aldona's going to explode. Kaboom. Holy Spirit power. Do you want to come up? Yeah, you can, you can, but don't take too long. Eight, two minutes. It's, it's 10 past 12, so be quick. Because, because, yeah, because <laughs> you mentioned dinosaurs a whole bunch of time. What, what, what's really on my heart, you know, when that, that, that point that's a distraction, it depends. You've got to know your subject. You know, you really got to know your subject. If you don't know your subject, don't go there. Personally, if somebody asked me about dinosaurs, I would talk about it because they did exist. Because evolution is a religion. Evolution is not science. Okay? So you've got to know your stuff. If you don't know your stuff, don't go there. So go read a book. Go read some books. Because a lot of people, the image they have of, of Christianity is like, Adam and Eve rode dinosaurs to church. You know? <laughs> that's, that's what they think of. Like, yeah, you guys think that Adam and Eve rode dinosaurs to church. Like, yeah. Yep, that's what we believe. Exactly. Um, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
Now this is, I was going to spend a lot more time on this, but obviously I don't have a lot of time, so, so I won't. The New Macedonia by Ralph Winter is an article about missions. I'm paraphrasing it a lot. Um, and there's a point to this. Let me just explain why I'm, you know, let me just explain it, and then I'll tell you what the point is. You have up there E0, E1, E2, E3. These are different zones of evangelism, zones where there are certain kind, um, a certain amount of barriers or a certain description of barriers. E0 means there's zero barriers, like right now. There's no barriers. You're here. You understand what I'm saying. You know Christianese. You know, you've been in the church for a while. doesn't mean you're a believer. doesn't mean you know Jesus. If you've been to some churches, you know, it happens. I worked with a couple people. Where they went to an uh, alliance church for their whole lives. And I said to them, hey, you know, when was the first time you had an experience of God? And I love the Alliance Church. I said, when was the first time you had an experience of God? And they said, huh, I don't know if I've ever had an experience of God, both of them. So that's E0 evangelism. It needs to be done in the church, too. Don't get too comfy. You know, I know this church, you, I know you pretty well, so don't, don't worry. I'm not questioning your salvation. But if you're listening online, you know, be unnerved right now. E1 is basically the same culture, basically the same language, basically the same culture. Guy in Calgary in a church goes out, talks to people about Jesus. They understand basically what he's saying. You know, Jerusalem and Judea, the Christians there, they went out and talked to the Jews. The Jews knew what they were talking about. They knew the scriptures pretty well. They knew, oh, they believe in the Messiah. We don't believe in the Messiah. We understand what the Messiah is, is supposed to be. We understand that. So that's sort of your Jerusalem, Judea, E1. E2 is like Samaria. Jesus goes to a woman at the well in Samaria, and he's talking with her, and the frame of reference is completely different. I mean, I I don't want to get into the history of Samaria too much, but I'm going to have to, so I'll do it quick. 721 B.C., northern kingdom of Israel is destroyed and ransacked by the Assyrians, and people are taken away. And then new people are brought in. So you have the Israelites over in Assyria. You have Assyrians in Israel. They start, um, I don't want to say interbreeding, because I mean they're people, but they start intermarrying, intermingling their culture, their religion. Everything starts getting messed up. And if you don't know about Israel before that time, northern, the northern kingdom was already messed up in its point of view on the kingdom of God and the temple of God. They wouldn't come to the temple, so they set up idols an idol in Bethel, an idol in Dan, and idols everywhere. <laughs> so by the time this gets to Jesus, Jesus meets this woman at the well, and there's a very different frame of reference of who God is. She says, well, you worship at the temple. You worship at Mount Zion, but we worship at Mount Gerizim. And you might be thinking, why are they worshiping at Mount Gerizim? Well, in the Torah, it was set up by Moses that all of the people who are going to proclaim the blessings of the Lord will be on Mount Gerizim. And all of the people who will proclaim the cursings of the Lord will be on Mount Ebal. So they said, oh, blessings of the Lord, good. Let's start up worship on Mount Gerizim in violation of the commandments of God. But they decided to do it anyways. This is how they think. This is how they thought. So, and they didn't accept all of Scripture either. So there's a very different frame of reference. And Jesus talks to this woman. He's able to bridge that gap. You're looking for water, aren't you? Well, I can give you water so that you never thirst again. Oh, what do you mean by that? He follows her through her path of thinking, and he's able to get her to a point where she goes, this man is a prophet of God. That's E2, evangelism. That's Samaria. E3, ends of the earth. 
different language, different culture, different frame of reference, different ideas, you're not going to be able to convey anything because you have to learn it all. Now, the church has been doing something like this. Christian church has been doing something like this. Let's go evangelize and act like we're in an E0 situation or an E1 situation. So they go out on the streets of Commercial Drive, and they think everybody knows the Bible. People don't know the Bible. I went to Future Shop one day, and this woman's telling me about how she saw Jesus Christ Superstar. And she's like, yeah, and then Judas hangs himself. I was so shocked. I'm like, yes, I'm shocked too. <laughs> what do you know? So this will be online. Go and find it and read it. It's worth 20 minutes, but I can't spend any more time on it. I'll read this one more time. Oh, boy. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes in you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I'll read this simple advice quickly. Invite people to stuff. That's a good idea. You know, that's authentic. Invite people to stuff. If you get invited to stuff, then go. Don't be a loser. Just go. I'm not comfortable. I'm not sure if I'll like it. Doesn't matter. Just go. <laughs> Enjoy it and try and be yourself. Have an open heart when talking with people and let the conversation flow naturally. Don't close yourself off, even if you feel like Vancouver closes you off. And sometimes you walk down the street and someone's like, like everyone's like that, pardon me. It sometimes feels like it's closing you off. Don't worry. You're not, you, say hello. Even if you think they don't speak English. Hello. Oh, hello. It happens all the time. Just say hello. Um, be interested in what people are talking about. A door will open up soon enough. If someone's talking about, you know, their, their job as a funeral director and you're like, okay, I don't know what to say about this, you know. Just listen for a while. A door is going to open up. When the door opens up, walk through. For example, if someone mentions how they are against the Alberta oil sands, feel free to mention how you believe that God has made human beings stewards over all the earth. You don't have to start a big, deep discussion or debate, but you can. If someone says something with which you blatantly disagree, don't be afraid to say something. Someone says, Christians are such hypocrites. I hate them. They're all terrible people. Well, probably comes from somewhere. Probably comes from that person's history, and that that person has given you inadvertently an open door to talk about it. So, oh, really? Why do you think the Christians are all hypocrites? You just walked right into that, stupid. I mean, you, just, <laughs> you think we're hypocrites? You just opened up the door. You want to talk? We're going to talk about your life. Guess what, sucker? Um, uh, <laughs> If you go out with the purpose of talking about Jesus, which is wonderful, just remember to be yourself and be up front. Hi, we're talking about Jesus. Do you want prayer? No? Okay. Yes? Okay. Respect their boundaries. If they say no, then no is a no. Yes is a yes. And then if they say yes, you can actually talk to them about Jesus. You can respond accordingly. And now here is advice that you might not like. Oh, geez. Saying something. Okay. I'm making it all sound very easy. Easy. It's harder than it sounds. You can forget about the comfort zone. Talking to strangers is hard, okay? Talking to strangers is hard. You're at the park. I go to the park with the kids. There are like 10 stay-at-home moms, and there's me. <laughs> kind of stand out. I'm like, there's a lot of estrogen at this park, and I'm not going to go walk up to a group of women and be like, hi, I'm, I'm totally normal. I'm, <laughs> I'm not... It's... It's not easy, so <laughs> try it. Just try it. Making excuses is part of an activity-based mindset. It's just not my gifting, or I'm an introvert. And guess what? I'm an introvert. You might not believe it, but I am. Or I serve the church in other ways. I'll completely miss the point of everything I've said this morning. <laughs> Evangelism is not about activity. It's about identity. Ambassadors know who they are and what their role is. 
A lot of, just start running those old excuses through your mind and see if it fits after what you've heard today. Nope. <laughs> Most of them won't. Now, if people you interact with all the time don't know that you're a Christian, then there's something wrong. There's no such thing as a clandestine ambassador, a secret ambassador, the Mexican ambassador who goes to Ethiopia, hides in his hotel room, comes back, and what a shock, Mexico's ashamed of him. If your family and your friends don't know that you're a Christian, I am telling you, there is something wrong. Pin drop, okay? <laughs> Feel nervous about it, because you should. It's not something that should be true of our lives. Um, and I'll use a positive example. I worked everywhere I work. Within 10 minutes, people are bugging me about my religion. I mean, it's usually here because I went to Regent College. Oh, why'd you come to Vancouver to go to Regent College? What's that? It's a Christian thing. Okay, let's talk about Jesus. But when I, when I, was, when I was younger, I worked at Little Caesar's Pizza. Yes, I did. Okay? Stop judging me. I can tell. I worked there anyways. And within 10 minutes, everyone knows I'm a Christian. It's, it doesn't have to be the first 10 minutes, but if it's going on 10 years, oh, yeah, okay. Last point, Jesus has commissioned us and empowered us to be his witnesses. Ignoring this reality is rebellion against God and against who we are. You're not just, you know, hurting some ethereal being that you, you worship. You're hurting yourself too. You know, be yourself. Be who you are in Christ. It's a much better way to be, to be a singular individual everywhere you go than to be like a hypocrite, I guess is the right word. Um, so there, I got to put up something that'll, you know, soften you up again. There we go. <laughs> it's so cute. Look at the little lime on his head. Oh, <laughs> I forgot what the sermon was about. <laughs> just forget the last part and, and just, you, you know, you'll love me again. Um, so that's about all I have. Um, one more slide, I think. Yeah. If you still hate evangelism, then talk to Gordy. <laughs> um, all right. Okay, so I'll turn it back to Gordy and... Uh